This is the Weird is the New Black Show. of the Weird is the New Black show. 57 episodes. Still going, still pushing. I am your host, Mike Bion, and I think that's the first time I actually introduced myself on this show. Out of all my episodes, I figured I'd do it. People might not know who I am after 57 episodes, but you never know, because this could be the first show that somebody hears of me. Yeah. And they're like, ah, this is it, person. So today, I'm here with the lovely Sean the Plug. And let me give you a quick uh, backstory on how I came to know of this uh, this cool person that I have in front of me. So again, on Twitter, I like to think that I follow some cool people, some cool individuals, and we have mutual friends. And what attracted me to you the most, you know, um, you know, on Twitter or whatever social media platform it is, is that you have such a passion for what you do. You have such a passion for the culture that you're in. Yes, this is what the city needs more than anything else. Mm-hmm. People who have a passion for what they're doing because again i encountered many people on this road of podcasting people who just wanted to be known yeah they have their the face fame. on the camera yeah, the yeah fame. they want the fame right and it's like where is the work yeah, what are you doing the work ethic behind it right exactly and what are you standing for what's it all about and it's just once you get beyond like the the surface of it you see that it's, it's just it's vapid it's hollow there's nothing there mm-hmm. And with you, you're putting work in in such an incredible way. And shout out to also Kenlo as well, who's also doing. Oh, shout out to Kenlo. Kenlo's doing her groove thing as well, because I I like what she's doing because it's just a passion for it. Yeah. And you can tell that it's not about trying to get on and blow up Shuate out here. Right. That's Jimmy Fox word from the Jimmy Fox show. Blow <laughs> up Shuate. It's just it's about something that's real. It's organic. Mm-hmm. So let's start off. Um, for those who may not be aware of who Sean is. You know, I'm sure once the show comes out, people will know, you know. But for those who don't know of you, um, you know, get into, like, your beginnings. Like, where are you from and mm-hmm. how did you get into writing? I tell this to everybody, but I really don't like math. Awesome. <laughs> so writing has always been something that I like to do. Mm-hmm. I did poetry when I was little. A lot of people don't know that, actually. I used to do poetry at elementary school. Mm-hmm. So we used to have, like, um, what is it? Not... Is it called like an assembly? Like where your parents and like all oh, the other yeah. students is there? It used to be a big thing when we was growing up to have assemblies also. Yeah, especially elementary school, yeah. Yeah, we used to have assemblies and I I used to, I think, recite poems at some of the assemblies we had or at least mm-hmm. like a couple of them. So I feel like I've always been a writer because math is like my weakest subject. Listen. So I feel like that's really how I started writing though. But I didn't take writing seriously until college. That's when I really started to like write, write. Where'd you go to college? All right, so I went to Millersville for my freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. Party too much, had to come home. Went to CCP. Mm-hmm. They messed up my major like three times before we figured out what my major was going to be. Mm-hmm. So then I became a mass media communications major. And then from there, did I start my mag? I started my mag in 2016. Yeah. So, right, I'm trying to think of the, the dates. I dropped out of college 
after my first magazine released. So it was October of 2016 when I started to like really take it serious. And then after that, I dropped out because college wasn't teaching me how to make magazines. Mm-hmm. They wanted to teach me how to write for magazines and newspapers. So they only teach you how to write for them and like do research in order to, I guess, like do good write-ups. But I wasn't taught how to put together a magazine and like layouts and fonts and HTMLs, like none of that. Mm. They wasn't teaching me any of that. So I stopped going to school because of that. And then I like self-taught my, like I taught myself how to like put together magazines, some um, graphic designing, stuff like that. So pretty much you took the uh, autodidactic approach. You taught yourself, got stuff where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And many of the, uh, of the greats in journalism or whatever forms, a lot have learned from their own, own work, own mm-hmm. tra- you know, like trial and error. Yeah. And they, and they got their groove. Yep. Also, since you told told me that, and you had your magazine, you started in 2016. Mm-hmm. And your magazine is Plug Magazine. Yep. Where did the name Plug come from? How did you develop that moniker? All right, so I originally had a blog. I had a blog in 2014 after I left Millersville. Mm-hmm. This is when I this is when my writing started getting serious because I started being a blogger like in Philadelphia. So I was covering music artists. I think I was covering events I was going to. Mm-hmm. That might have been it. I don't know if I was covering any other subjects. But I wanted to be a music journalist at that point. So I was trying to go to school for that, and that's how the mass media communications thing came into play. I had a blog. I think it was called New Ears, from what I remember. I think Plug came about because I told my college friend from Millersville um, I wanted to come up with a magazine. Why does that sound familiar? New Ears? Yeah. That site probably is still around somewhere. I probably didn't like deactivate or nothing. It's probably no, because I probably was paying for it, so I don't know. Okay. But it was a blog. Mm-hmm. Before I actually started getting into magazines. So one of my college friends, I had I told him I had the idea of creating a magazine. I was like, I need something like a really, really, really simple name. Like the way complex is like one word. I needed like one word. I didn't want it to be like a drawn out, like two words or something for a magazine. Like Vogue. Like you never see magazines that have more than one word. Right. Fader, Vogue, XXL. Like it's never, it's never... The frog in the tree likes to hop. Right. Yeah. Like, it's never going to be that. It's always just going to be one word, something really simple. And I was like, it needs to be something. I think I told him it needed to be something related to music. I think that's how that came about. Uh, okay. And I don't know what the first few names were that he gave me. But when he said plug, that was the one that had stood out to me. And I was like, all right, we're going to stick with it. But what made me mad was that, remember the, I can't think of what it's called right now. What a time to be alive. The Drake and Future join yeah. came out, and Plug was on there. Yep. And this is all around the same time that all this is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that timing is so bad because now it has seemed like that's going like hand in hand with that. But really, I came up with a magazine, and then that came out. I got over it after a while, though, but I'm still mad about it. But you're hearing it here first. She was Plug first. And then they came. Then they came out and then they on. came. There you go. See? Now we're good. What was year was that? What year was that that they came out? That was 2015, right? Was that 2015, I think? That might have been 2015. Yeah. Because the idea of the magazine came out in 2015. I think it literally was going like, they was like neck and neck. Like when I came up with the idea of the magazine and the title, mm-hmm. that's when that that album dropped. Yeah. The magazine came out the following year in 2016. Yeah. So then I had to get all of the plug jokes from people and stuff because you know how that goes. Yep. Everybody out here. Yep. Trying, trying to get in. 
Yeah, I remember that was the same year because I remember Drake and Meek had their beef in the summertime. Yep. And Plug, um, then that album came out from Drake and Future and at the end of the year, like yeah, yeah, kind of like November maybe. Yeah. 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 Yep. I'm surprised I can still remember stuff like <laughs> like that. You have this magazine, mm-hmm. and the question I thought about um, while I was like thinking about having you on as a guest. So why do you feel that it's important to have that platform? in the city, not just for you as a writer mm-hmm. and as creative, but why do you feel, feel like it's so important to have that kind of a platform in this era? It's not enough like physical, physical like, I don't wanna say devices because there's a lot of physical devices. It's a lot of digital writing now these days mm-hmm. with our generation or my generation. Like everything is digital. Yeah. And the thing with me when I made it, I was like, I think I first said it was going to be digital, but at some point I was like, no, it's going to be physical. Like it has to be physical because I just feel like it's not enough physical magazines anymore because everything converts over to digital now. Like, yes, we do have physical magazines, though, but to have a local physical magazine is like that's kind of rare, Yeah. especially for Philly. I don't think Philly has physical magazines too much, like maybe a few. There was one. But most of them is digital, right? Like Philly Mag. Isn't Philly Mag a digital mag? I mean, they have physical They mag have too. physicals? Yeah, like, Philly Magazine so has physical magazines. They do have physical yeah. magazines because I have one. Right. Wait, wait, wait. Philly Mag or Philadelphia? Philadelphia. Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Magazine, so they still have theirs. Um, as far as Philly, I love that mag also. Yeah, it's, very, it's dope. It's good. Um, let me f- see. Anybody else? No, I think the only independent magazine I can remember to date from be- me being out and about in the city was Two and Five Magazine. The Two and Five Magazine. I feel like I heard it recently. That was like, like from somebody. like 09, 2010, 09. And it was like they covered artists, they covered mm-hmm. like the skaters in the city, DJs, and various things. And I, I felt like they were kind of centralized to like the Northern Liberties area in terms of like things that they covered, like. Business-wise, yeah. but they were like interviewing like the, the DJs and all this. But they were they were around for a while. Uh, I remember like the uh, Taib Smith. He he ran that magazine in the city. So shout out to Taib Smith for that. But yeah, but but it was, it was rare. It was really rare for people in the city to have that. Yeah, because it was tough. Because you know people went from print to digital. To digital. Because look, New, I feel like New York has so many physical mags. I'm sure they have a lot of like physical magazines there. Mm-hmm. Compared to us, I feel like we just needed something for like black culture here more than anything. though. I'm glad you mentioned that. We needed something for black because I only cover like black people in my mag. Let me tell you something. That's, 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 that's why the next little tagline is a black ass magazine. Yes, and that's <laughs> yes. Yeah, so check this out. So my next section here it literally said black media. Oh wow, really? Right. Yeah, I was facts. on point. I was right. on point. Black media, <laughs> and what it say under this? Print to digital, right? Yeah. So we're on the same vibe. All right, cool. <laughs> so, so dig this. So historically speaking, we look at the uh, what we think of as black media. Now, as far as I can remember, there was uh, magazines such as Jet Magazine. Yep. You had your Ebony's. Yep. And you had um, Essence. Yep. My um, mind used to get all them sent to the house. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Susan um, Susan Taylor, who was the uh, editor of Essence at, at, one, at one point in time. But I remember like reading like the Ebony Magazine. So my dad uh, had these joints from the 70s. Mm-hmm. They had people with the froze, like black hair care products. So it was just like it was black as black you can get. Yeah. You know, it was that even Jet Magazine to a point back in the day, it was like it was all it was about. Now you had that covering like black culture overall. Then you had magazines like Black Enterprise. 
mm-hmm. popped up covering like black business. Then you had film, I film, sorry. Then you had magazines that were covering black culture on a music level. You had The Source, XXL Magazine, yep. you had Mass Appeal, you had Ego Trip. And it was a few other magazines in the mix, like Rap Pages, or what was the one that Biggie Smalls mentioned? And uh, Juicy, I'm forgetting that magazine, but Word Up Magazine. Like you had these I different- I remember Word Up. Yeah, because it was still going on for later on. You still had like, I remember saying, uh, I think I remember saying, like B2K on the issue at one yep. point in time, right? Yep. So you had this going on, but <laughs> you had all this stuff happening. It would be a poster. It would come with posters inside exactly. of them. Yeah. Right, because Big said he would get like magazines of salt and pepper, you know what I mean? Put them on his wall, you know? So you had these things that were essential to the culture because at one point in time, if you were in the industry, no matter which one you were, mm-hmm. the only people they were talking to were journalists and these magazines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had streets were talking about this and that, rumors here and there, but it was just we're on the street and nobody really gave it credibility. It wasn't until the transition started, we went from print to digital. Right. Because print to digital happened and you had the rise of the bloggers. Yep. Because hell, I even blogged back then. Everybody everybody could get a blog. Everybody yeah. That's why I had to stop making blogs. That's why I stopped doing blogs. Because Same. of that. I'm like, how am I going to stand out if everybody has a blog in Philly? <laughs> and everybody, because the thing was, everybody had a blog, not because they gave a damn about anything, because all everybody was wanting to be a star. Yep. But I guarantee you, uh, there was a time when I was blogging, and I was like, cool, let me stop doing this and start doing photography. I was doing photography in 09, 2010, mm-hmm. before everybody started getting the cameras and, and being out and about. So I remember going to, uh, what was it? One of the Red Bull, no, I'm sorry, not, not Red Bull. It was the Heineken Green Room events. It's back at, they used to have that shampoo, right? Kevin Hart really? was there. I've been to the Heineken Green Room events. Yeah, the ones around But around not here. the shampoo, though, because that was like back that's then. That's way back then. Way back <laughs> then, right. Yeah, Kevin Hart was there hosting, Ludacris was there, mm-hmm. and it was just, it was a dope event. But many people had like so and so. I'm from so and so blog. I'm from so and so dot com. Oh gosh! And they, they would have them being like you know asking people questions, and the cameraman was there. Mm-hmm. And everybody was just trying to get content. But the problem was everybody who was trying to get content were just asking the same ass questions over and over oh and over gosh. again. Oh my gosh! Hey, who inspires you? Yeah, um, no. What, what are you That's doing? So bad. It is because no one really gave a damn to. They didn't care. They for didn't real. care. Yeah. That's why, to me, I think the greatest on-camera interviewer in this of our current time is Nardwar. Oh my gosh! I was just telling my best friend this the other day. I was like, Nardwar, like the human survey. And one of my other friends, we talked about it. I was like, that's actual journalism to me. That's real journalism. Like he's a real journalist. If it, somebody asked me um, who inspires me, mm-hmm. and I think I said nobody, but I might have said Nardwar. But I don't remember. But Nardwar. Come on now. Yeah. Nardwar interviewed Snoop like 10 times. <laughs> 10 times. And each time. He asks different questions. Or he come, up, questions. he come up with something else out of his hat. And it surprises him every single time. That's wild to me. Like how? Who's he asking? Who's his plug? Yo. And that's the ill part. Because you remember, I remember he interviewed, uh, what's the young guys from, uh, from Memphis, Tennessee, signed to Yo Gotti's label. Or maybe, yo, I'm Black Youngster. And black youngster was sitting there and talking to him and said, yo, man, how'd you, how'd you, how'd you, how'd you know this stuff? Like, you, know, you know how black youngster gets, gets to stuttering sometimes? He was like, what's going yeah. on? <laughs> he said, if I go outside, I'll get arrested right now. I said, I know this. He was asking questions about Memphis street stuff and like, like locations and the people and the history. He was like, yo, how do you know this Who stuff? Who is Nardwar? 
Like, right. I have to do a background check on him now. So Nardwar was actually like, I'm thinking he might be in a, in a punk band up in Canada. Is he the feds? Yo, he just knows how to ask questions and researching. Who does he know? I have questions for him. Like, journalists to journalists, maybe that I need to talk to Nardwar. Magazine articles. And plus, if you see... This is how I would think will go down. Like, say if you have um, an artist from a certain section of the city and you're aware of other artists who came before him, you can read their articles. You can read this. You can read that. And like, say if I was going to interview um, a rapper from Philadelphia, mm-hmm. I can say, cool, we can discuss. And I know where he's from, North Philadelphia. I can go back into the archives of his neighborhood yeah. and, and pinpoint what used to be there. When he was around. So if I say if I knew you were born in 1993. Right. And I know you were like seven or eight at a certain time period. I can look back and see what was popping in your city around that time. Mm-hmm. I can ask people who was popping in your city around that time. So when I ask you about it, you're like, oh my God, how did you know? Because I knew who to ask. I knew I knew what, where to look and what to do. Right. Because what Norwar was doing, and I hope not, I'm not trying to like ruin his like his recipe of how, <laughs> he, gets, how he cooks up his, uh, his work, but... It, it just takes diligence. Yeah. It takes, you have to actually have to love what you do yep. to figure out these questions. Because that's these thorough research you're doing on somebody to ask questions. Right. Just so the questions don't sound basic and sound like questions you already asked somebody else. Right. They're personalized questions for each artist he's asking. Exactly. Like personal. Like Down as personal it. as it gets. They'd be like, your yeah, uncle used to work at the poppy store. Like, how you know my uncle worked at the poppy store? How you know? It's crazy. Right. And people were so taken aback by it. And some are actually frightened because it's like, how do you know this? But in this world that we're in, knowledge is everywhere. Yeah. You can go anywhere. You have, like, we have computers in our hands. Mm-hmm. All day. We have computers day. in our hands. We Google got Wi-Fi. We can always access. And, uh, we're anywhere. Yep. Like you can have a time where you want to interview an artist, but yet you don't know what to ask this artist. And say it's like a last minute thing. Someone can say, Man, you're interviewing um money back, yo, in about thirty minutes. You're like, dude, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, I don't know, you gotta ask him some questions. You can literally go on your phone, mm-hmm. put in money back, yo, hit the Wikipedia, look up his old videos, look up his old mixtapes, and within like 15 minutes, you can have enough material to ask him some beginner questions, and after that, you can feed off into whoever else you want to ask him. So like the game now, you can do whatever you want, but the difference is, will you actually put in that extra Like effort power? and time exactly. to like. To get it. I gotta step up my journalism because of artwork. But that's a beautiful inspired. thing. You see that, and you know where you can take it. You know where you can go with it. Because yeah. on my previous podcast, I was talking to my buddy about the future and just about finding out what we can do and how we can be better as people and all that. And the two words he mentioned was that there are infinite possibilities. So you doing what you're doing with these guests. You're doing what you're doing with your platform and how you're building. You have infinite possibilities. And Nardware proves that. Yep. Because... Nardwar isn't, isn't, and the beautiful thing about Nardwar is that with Nardwar, you have to respect the fact that you're forced to respect his mind. You're yeah. forced to respect how he gets down. Yeah. Because he's not about, you know, he ain't the most swaggy cat out here. You know right, what I mean? Right, how right. he dresses. He don't care about none of that. None of that. None of that. And I think that should be what 
we all should focus on. Yes, because it's not really about appearance or any of that when you're doing interviews with people. Like It's not. He's doing his job at the end of the day. Exactly. He's doing what he loves. So and people love that. Yep. Like, I don't... I don't want to be the most fresh-dressed person interviewing someone and asking dumbass questions. Yeah. I've seen that happen way too many times before, you know? But That takes away, that can take away from the interview. It, it does. Yeah. Like, and I hate it because in this game, um, because in the world that we're in, it's very misogynistic. Mm-hmm. And you have women who are maybe super attractive, and they'll be interviewing people, and they won't be given the respect as being legitimate journalists because of, the, because of their looks. Yep. Oh man, she's too fine, cuz, but do you hear what she said to the person she's interviewing? Yeah. Right? Like, there was a time period when, um, I remember years ago, probably like a year or two ago, um, Cam Newton was being interviewed uh, for a press conference. And it was a woman who, uh, a reporter, she asked him a question about stats. He was like, oh, I didn't think you would know that because she's a woman. I remember this. Right. He got slandered over that. Yeah, and it was well deserved. Because yep. you're a grown person, you can't have that mindset. So, I'm going to get back to this because something I want to ask you about yourself. So, again, we're going back to the bloggers. Is it like a Nord word question? Oh, no, no, no. You're safe. Oh, okay. You're safe, right? So, <laughs> so you know, again, the rise of the bloggers. And people were going to bloggers now more over the magazines. I saw many magazines that were like Source, Excel. Used to be thick mags, slimmed down. Yeah. And then it became Digital. websites. It's like start disappearing almost. Yeah. So, you have the Source and everything's on these websites. And they're now trying to catch up to catch up to the news, because if I want to see news now for anything dealing with hip hop, people are recording and sharing the IG lives of rappers yeah. after situations happen. When Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace, when he was killed, I knew about it on the spot. Oh yeah, me too. I was following it on Twitter. On Twitter, you knew before about the it. news probably got to it. I yeah. already was like up to date. And we knew who the who the alleged suspect was before before the news hit. My mom, I tell my mom things that she doesn't even know about, and she watches the news. She like, how do you know that? I said, Mom, online Twitter. Right. Twitter is like the news for me. Yeah, Instagram too, because there's a, um, a cat that I know. Um, he has a, a account on Instagram called No Gun Zone. Mm-hmm. And I know about a lot of stuff that happens like streetwise in terms of like, you know, crimes and stuff yeah. like that via his page, right? You'd have to go to the news. That's deep to me though. Because the news used to be just our source for news, like literally news. Yeah. And now it's to the point where we can get news without even watching the news. The news wouldn't even talk about the stuff that we be seeing, like it just happening. Basic stuff. Yeah. Or like things, things in your know. area. Right. Because things that we want to know. We got it already. Yeah. Like, if you want to know about Beyonce getting money or, or, or Beyonce's deal or, or Beyonce, or, or Beyonce, or Beyonce was doing Fenty or whatever they're doing, they bring it to social media first. Yep. And they we don't already take it know. to the news no more. Right. They might not even cover it on the news ever, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, I remember seeing Entertainment Tonight mm-hmm. or maybe on BET. I'm not sure which one, which station it was on at the time. Was it BET News or whatever? They were talking about, oh, yeah, Kid and Play is working on a new movie. Shit, they're doing a new movie? Mm-hmm. What's going on here? But I had to wait until 7 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night to see this show to get my news about entertainment. Now, as soon as something's being done, you're hearing about it within a minute. It's, it's out quick. there. It's quick. Everything's fast now. Right. You don't have to wait no more. You don't. So we talk about other media that are out there is out and about cool. But with black media... I feel like once things went, went digital, 
black media became the wild, wild west. There was no yeah. regulations into what became news because rumors became news. Like, though TMZ isn't particularly black media, yeah. they do dabble within, thing, within the scope of black entertainment when they talk about black athletes or black entertainers or whatever they're doing. Yeah. And they got the exclusive boom before anybody else does. Yeah, they do. Like, they were the ones who broke out Michael Jackson's death in 09. They were the ones to wow, cover it. yeah. You know, they were there before CNN and whatever. They, they, they covered it. They were quick. They quick. And now with us, you have so many people who are in this place of media. Mm-hmm. You have so many people who are calling themselves journalists. I use air quotes when I say this. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not really that. Because, for example, the person who I don't care for the most business-wise I mean, in terms of media, like I can't stand academics. Oh no, 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 no! I don't like have him muted from my TO. Because today I don't want to see him on my timeline. Me either. I thought no, I had him muted too. I don't want to see him. But somebody retweeted something today. Um, like, uh, and and this is your this is your guy. Because I saw it said you love him yesterday on Twitter. The baby. Yeah. Say you love the baby. I right? see. All right. I seen that on Instagram first before I seen it on Twitter. The situation. Yeah. And. You know, first of all, I hate seeing us, like, do that to each other. Yeah. Like, especially on camera. Yeah. Because I'm from an era where, like, yo, most of the, like, the most notorious beatdowns that happened didn't go down on camera. They didn't go right? down on camera. They yeah, they, just, they just happened. Right. Yeah, they just happened. Right. Like, there was a story back in, like, the 80s with uh, Mike Tyson and Mitch Green. Mm-hmm. If you go on YouTube, you'll just hear about what happened. And Mike Tyson is like, you know, he's speaking in his, like, it was, it was ludicrous, you know. Yeah. He, just, he tried to attack me. I had to protect myself. <laughs> and all you see is Miss Green having these glasses. He takes them off. My man is lumped Ooh. to high heaven. He just lumped up. And Martin like, style. Yeah. And everybody Ooh. talked about it after the fact. Like, yeah, I was there, man, in the store. They got, <laughs> they got in a fight in Dapper Dance in Harlem. Wow. Right? So it was a legendary spot. There's two people who are, who are known boxers. They get into it. And but all you heard was the stories, right? You didn't see it; you had to hear about it from the witnesses, right? And and that kind of created, it gave more of like a legendary feel to it, because now you can actually see it if you want to see it, right? Everything's spoiled now. I feel like he was just reciprocating that energy, though. Who else, Mike? No, baby. Oh yeah, he definitely was because that guy. He didn't have to have the baby on camera. No, it was trying. No, like, it was like, yeah, look at this guy; he's scary. And I was like, bro, the, yeah, I, I feel like the baby wouldn't have did that if if the guy wasn't recording him first. Yeah, but he people, probably wouldn't have recorded him beating him up. I, <laughs> I don't understand why people want to try other people. It's like let people mind their business. If he's in the store buying his stuff, let him. If you got a problem with him, have your problem with him. But just like, it's let's like, keep it out of why here. Why are we recording now? Right, it's, it's and not I, it's the corny. phone things drive me crazy. Right, because everything don't have to be recorded. They don't. I'm so glad you said that because that's annoying the hell out of me. I'm like, what, what are we doing here, folks? Yeah, it's Can not. we just stop? That's like when people be getting jumped and stuff and everybody got their phones out. I'm like, can somebody help? Like, <laughs> everybody got their phones out. Like, this is some form of entertainment, but like, can somebody do something? I think the worst case of that that I can remember from, from record uh, may have happened earlier this year. It was on a train in New York, an old woman. Sitting on the bench, and this old, and it's like this black dude, man. He might be like thirty. I think he might be thirty-six years old, right? Was well, kicking her, hitting her, railing on her. What? Everybody had cameras on them. Everybody had their phones out. Nobody was trying to help. Nobody did anything. They're buck. Yeah, no. So there's a story. No, I would yeah. never think to pull my phone out if that's happening. Like somebody need to get him off her. Right. 
so there was a story that was told, but it was actually like, I found out later on it may have been like fabricated. I think it actually was. So it was a story that went out about how a woman in like in late 60s in, the, in New York, maybe in Brooklyn somewhere, maybe Queens, I don't know. Her name was Kitty. She was a waitress. The story goes is that um, she was walking down the street and this guy was bothering her. You know, he attacked her. Yeah. She walked away. He came back and attacked her some more. So he kept attacking her. She was screaming for her dear life. And it was a summer night and all these windows were open. All the neighbors were there, were watching, right? But they didn't do anything. They didn't call the police or anything until later. What? Right. So this was the story. I think they said I think they said like it was like fabricated down the line. But the story represents how we are. We are we live in a very voyeuristic society where we will watch and not act. We will we will literally watch someone pour gasoline on a building from across the street and not do anything until later and be like, oh man, that building's on fire. I saw him do it. Do you think it's because we're numb to a lot of things that we see? Um, I do think that. I do think there is a bit of numbness here. I think we here. get used to seeing certain like and it's messed up. travesties happen and it's like yeah. after a while you almost don't even like react. It's kind of bad though. And I think for our culture um, specifically, speaking of black culture, there is a sign of like, there's PTSD. Because we're so, like we, we've been so like used to like crazy things happening in our neighborhoods. Yep. And it gets to us to the point where like, we're fragile to a point because we've seen it happen to us day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So much to the point that we're just like used to it now. Yeah. And it's a sad, sad thing, you yep. know? Being stuck and being frozen in, in, in this mindset of like, well, this happens every day. It's normal. It's normal. You know, I can't even cry about it anymore because it keeps going down. Yeah. And so I think what, what it comes down to, like, black media, again, I, I go back to academics, not because I want to, because of this of this point. He came to the game exploiting what was going on in Chicago. Right. Chirac. You're exploiting and making these videos for views off of the deaths of young black men and women in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Because you can. You live where you're at, you're far from there, but yet you're exploiting it. Yep. And I remember Vince Minster checked him on that on Everyday Struggle. Cool. But I remember when Takashi was on his rise to wherever the hell he was going to, academics was right there for the ride, enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. And we saw there, we saw him interviewing it, them in pools together having fun. But when Takashi caught, him, caught himself catching that biggest L of all time for his career, mm-hmm. Where it was academics. Oh, I tried to warn him. I tried to do this. I tried to do that. No, you didn't. You were there for that. You supported it. You gave you gave Takashi a platform to do what he did to himself constantly. You didn't care. And that's the problem that I have with media overall. Like he he's, he represents the negative side of media, wherein yeah. you're just here to see people destroy themselves. He loves the negativity. He yeah. loves the... I, I can't. I don't like academics. <laughs> Neither, but it, it, that's the time. That's the kind of problem that I have with like with TMZ. Like, there's this need to share the most negative, the most negative, filthy shit of, negative. of all time because yes. you can. Yep. And it's like we don't need to have that. But shit. what makes people think that that's okay? Like in your right mind, like what? Because people. Why do you feel like oh this is okay to share even though it's not positive? But I'm gonna share it anyway. 
Like, why? Because, because it's entertainment? Because you know some people are going to... Yeah. People love fucked up things. Because if you know people want to see things like that, you're going to keep on, like... Yeah. You're going to keep on with it. You're going to keep pushing because you think... He's still going. Yeah. What? That's why I remember when... Um, one of the things Nipsey had did an interview with someone. I'm not sure if it was with Tariq Nasheed or maybe him. He said that uh, he had a problem with how, at one point in time, 21 Savage had said that, yo, I'm, I want to change how I'm doing things. I want to be more about businesses, you know, more about this like financial stability, like, you know, pretty much growth, maturity. Right. Act has said, like, I don't want to hear about none of that stuff. I want to hear about the shooting and killing. Oh, and the he said right? that? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about and right. Mind you, you saying you want to hear about all this stuff. You want to hear about a reality that you're not living. But you want to hear about this negativity being being like spewed out by this dude who wants to do better in his life. Right. You want him to, to regress and put out this type of information for your for your sick entertainment when you know that's not even what, you, what you're about. And Nip was like, look, man, people like that got to get smacked, got to get beat up. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how he is. He said, yo... People who are out here who are about the negative and about exploiting the negativity need to be checked. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, that does need to happen. It does. But people have checked act and said act was this, act was that. But how can you check someone that has a fan base of idiots who keep supporting you and keep giving you the green light because you want to see more, you want to see more, you want to see more. So you're giving them more. And he don't think there's nothing wrong with it. He doesn't. So he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. No, he don't see nothing wrong with what he's doing. Exactly. So Especially if people cheer him on, his fan base. Exactly. How he going to stop? He, he like, stop. people love it. I got to keep going. I got to keep pushing it. Yeah. I got to keep forcing the issue. I got to keep on putting out crazy shit. So for me, I see you. I see what you're about. You're a black young black woman out here. Who is trying to put out and create a platform mm-hmm. to celebrate the culture? Right. Never have I once seen you post anything negative and forcing negativity. Right. Because you are about putting forth the right energy into the culture, something that we need. Yeah. And Philly, and I don't care who gets offended when I say this, because you may know it for yourself. <laughs> Philly has a very crap in the barrel mentality. Yes. It's very clickish. Very clickish. People may not, people might be from one side, oh, you over here doing that? Fuck them dudes. We ain't doing yep. that. You'll be better than them. Yep. It's not. And that is the reason why the city is not where it should be. Mm-hmm. This, like I told you before, off camera, like, or off the, the mic, I was with someone last night who was um, one of the OG DJs in the city of Philadelphia one of the people who was the person who was actually the DJ, the first DJ for um, Will Smith, before Will got with Jazzy Jeff. And back then, the DJs rolled thick. They were the top dogs out here. Mm-hmm. You know, people may say New York DJs was, t- was killing it. It may have been, but not like Philly DJs. They was running shit. And then you get to a point where you have Philly rappers being a top of, top of the line. Up until like 2000s, like everybody wanted to be a fully rapper. You serious? Everybody looked up to like state prop beans and them like that. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be on that wave. But the problem was, you know, there was a lot of inner city, inner like, inner turmoil here. Yeah, like major figures going at state property. It was a lot of this going on the inside. Yeah. 
And up until now, even now, you have rappers who are trying to do some, trying to do that, but the love isn't isn't there. It's a separation is there. Yeah. But the city of Philly has so much to offer. Like, again, back when the the, uh, the Black Lily era is popping off, you had Music Soul Child, Bilal, you had Jill Scott, Aries, you yep. had Jazzy Fat Nasties, you had all this shit going on at one Flow-a-tree. time. Flow-a-tree. Flow-a-tree, you had all that. Them women, women came from the UK, yep. got over here, yep. and got busy. They did. They got busy. So for a city that has such a rich cultural heritage, you see where we are now, and it's almost like, damn, what happened? Yeah. It's no unity. It's no unity. It's no unity. It's no unity. And I like, I, I like the fact that you have like Uzi who's doing this thing. I'm like, okay, Uzi, he escaped. Yeah. Tara Wack, she escaped. Yeah. And people love her stuff. Yeah. You know, it's interesting seeing like Lil Yachty bigging her up or other artists yeah. like bigging her That's up. That's crazy. Yeah. But it's like, listen, people, we should be the ones embracing our artists and giving them that platform while they're still here. Not Rather than when they leave. They leave. And once they get bigged up by XYZ, we're like, oh, man, she's from here. Yeah, we rep her now. But it's like. Yeah, but what about when she was here? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. That's why a lot of people say you have to leave Philly in order to, like, blow up. And they have. And it's kind of true. That's pretty true. And I keep saying this all the time. My roots had to go to fucking England, <laughs> work over there, and come back here to, and, and be like, boom. Yep. Have albums. I feel like sometimes that's what it takes, though, because they don't appreciate you until you leave. Right. And I feel like I wish that, and I think hopefully, you know, because, again, with your your platform and people like you and Kenlo and and others out here who have podcasts that are, like, about some shit. I heard some podcasts in the city. I'm not a fan of a lot of them because some of them seem to be on some bullshit. I'm like, whatever. Mm -hmm. But for those that are out here trying to put forth quality content, that are trying to put forth an effort to maintain the integrity that Philly, Philly artists have. You gotta get all the push that, all that y'all can get. Yeah. And I also wanna say congratulations to you because I know you, your, um, your magazine will soon be sold on Barnes & Noble's website, right? Yeah. And that's big Thank up. Thank you. And that's big up right there because that shows that you're putting forth this effort mm-hmm. to have your work out there like and i'm sure that you're encountering all kinds of dope artists yeah you know and also let me also big up sabrine as well and people like smutty and all these people who have yeah. these platforms of like of trying to do the right thing right the positive yeah the positive taking thing. a positive route right yeah because it's not enough for that i feel like it's not it's too much negativity it is and i, I don't want to because for me being the age that i am like i'm knocking on 40s door you know I'm not gonna knock the 40s door down. I'm like, damn near like 10 years of your middle age. And that's like crazy. But I would like to see that, you know, what I'm doing now may inspire someone down the line to mm-hmm. like, to do this, to, to carry on the, the tradition that the city has and just keep pushing it. Like get more people who are involved, the artists, the filmmakers, all that. Bring them together, have a collective. Yep. Let's not act like I'm better than you, or I'm better than this. No, that. let's come together. Yeah. Because Coming together is how you can create wealth amongst yourself. Not just financial, but even just in terms of how much work is being pushed out. Because mm-hmm. you can go to other cities and other cities will connect. Like people always talk about New York. New York has this, New York has that, Miami got this, Miami got that, Miami got our basil. And well, LA got this. So many what people, about Philly though? Right. You mean to tell me that Philly can't have like. The same things or better. 
Right. We can. Come on now. I remember how many people showed up. We just not united up. enough to do it. That's all it is. Right. We're not united enough to they're, do it. They're not. Because I remember, look, I've, I've known music promoters out here who were who in the city who were on some nut shit. You know what I mean? And I've seen people um, who would only show up to artist events when those artists are big are big names. Yep. Like when Calls came here, Calls came to the path for, I want to say, in 2014 maybe. Yeah, 2014. And... He came with everybody in Philly, every artist, <laughs> rapper, wannabe, illustrator, you name it, came out to see calls. Had to get an autograph. Had <laughs> to get a picture with calls for the gram. Did all this shit moving, right? Yeah. Because he was calls. Mm-hmm. And because calls knew Pharrell and Kanye West and all, we got to come out and show love for this dude here. But yet, there are very talented artists in the city of Philadelphia yep. who have showings who have gallery openings, who are out here trying to do their thing, and they can barely get any people to come out and show them love. That's so backwards to me. It is. People show up to where they want to show up at. That's what that's about. Because it serves their interest. Because people literally, I swear to you, yep. went, because I'm a fan of Carl's work. I, bought, I had his book. You know what I mean? I know who he was. People literally went there because, yo, that's cause. Mm-hmm. I got my camera phone ready yep. so I can get my Instagram picture my Instagram ready. Instagram picture, yep. So I can get my likes on so people can think, oh, man, I'm out here popping on the gram. Yep, because. Because. <laughs> and it's like, listen, we are in a world where everyone is special. You don't need to have a cosign from a celebrity. Oh, please. All you need is, like, some followers. Yeah. like <laughs> That's just, all you need to be special now. Right. But it's like you can be who you are with, with your work. Let your work speak for itself. Yeah. And that's it. You don't have to be controversial. You don't have to be oh, a cosign from this person that person to, to be on point. Just keep mm-hmm. doing your thing and keep pushing. And within the arts, arts, um, art community in the city of Philly, like, there's so many of you who are, who are dope. And like y'all saw like your cover of your of your, art, of your uh, magazine, and it had all these different artist names on there, different like musicians or whatever they did. People I have yet to hear of, but I'm interested in hearing of them mm-hmm. because they're being here on this platform. Right. And I think that the more work that you do and you're trying to do it, you know, what you're, what you're trying to do, it's going to make a difference in people's lives. Because people are like, oh man, like somebody actually gives a shit about my work. Yeah. What? The whole purpose is to like. I feel like to get them like out there, like their names. Because mm-hmm. me getting my magazine put onto Barnes & Noble website could lead to me getting the magazine physically put in Barnes & Noble stores, which could lead to people seeing these artists or these like different creatives mm-hmm. physically in the magazines when they pick up the magazine at Barnes & Noble. Like That's the whole purpose of it all. I don't think people realize the bigger like picture behind all of it, but like mm-hmm. it's almost like to connect people with people that they don't even know of yet. That's basically, what it's all about. that's the whole purpose of it. That's always been the entire purpose. So I hate when people try to make the magazine about me because I'm like, it's never been about me. That's why you never see me in the mag right. personally, because it's always going to be about the people that's in the mag. Because mm-hmm. I already get enough like recognition because I'm the creator of the magazine. Right. So like I try not to even make it about me. It's like. These are these people that's in this mag. You mm. need to check them out. Yep. And that's just what it is. And I think that's awesome. Because, um, again, that gets a lot, a lot of respect from me since, again, we spoke about everybody wants to be on the forefront. Everybody wants, wants their face to be on 
on screen. Mm-hmm. On Everybody front of magazine. Everybody want to be seen. They want to be seen. Yeah. And you're making it more about ego than yourself. Right. Like it's not even people, about that. It's not. No. Like, you got to take yourself out of the equation and focus on the greater good. It's more so one of them things where, like, would you rather be heard or seen? Right. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'd rather be heard than seen. Me too. I feel like I'd rather for my work to speak for itself. Right. I don't particularly care about, like, okay, well, yeah, he's known, he's everywhere. No, because the more famous I get, the more people I have in my business ask me dumb stuff about my yep. business. Like, why are you eating turkey ham on your sandwich? Yep. Like, and why Stupid you care? stuff. Right. And I think that we need to get back to more of a community-based mentality mm-hmm. versus just, it's just an individual-based one. Because, yeah, we're busting our ass off to say, oh, I did this and I did that, but what have you done for others? Right. What have you done to help to build upon this culture that you're getting your your attention from, getting mm-hmm. your wealth from, getting right. your getting these fans from? And I think that's why the city needs it the most, or people just need it in general. So when you come down to your magazine, you're writing it, and you're creating it, and you're putting everything together, what is the most enriching thing that you get from it? Like, what makes you wake up in the morning and say, yo, I cannot wait to put this magazine together. I can't wait to do, to do this and do that. Like, what, what spurs it all for you? It's the outcome. Mm-hmm. The reactions I get. Like, seeing it all come together mm-hmm. and, like, looking at it as a whole mm-hmm. is crazy. Putting it together is a pain in the ass. But when I'm done, though, <laughs> right. and I actually flip through the magazine and see everything, it's crazy. Because it's always worth it. It's worth all of the stress and the mental breakdowns I have. Like, it's worth it. It's the outcome more than anything, though. Beautiful. And the fact that people be happy to see themselves in a mag, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. Yo, it does a, it a feels lot good. for the spirit, yo. Yeah, it like, does. Oh It'll God. uplift you a lot. Because all of that stress pays off at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Super facts. Yeah. Super facts. That's, that's awesome. And um, I was thinking here. You got your magazine, and you talk about layouts. So this is a nerd question for you. <laughs> what is your favorite font? My favorite font? Yeah. Wow, that's a good one. I don't like anything that's, uh, ugh. Because I can, like, picture them, but I don't know what they're called. Mm-hmm. And the graphic design thing that I use has, like, so many fonts. So I'm, that probably takes me the longest thing. Like, that takes the... Yeah, it takes me a long time to figure out fonts because everybody gets a different font. I don't know. I would have to, like, see it. My favorite font. It's usually something simple, though. Okay. Like, nothing, none of them crazy ones where, like, things be dripping and stuff. Yeah. Or bold, like, none of that. It's usually, like, I use, like, Playfair, Display, SC a lot, actually. That's one of my, I think that's one of my favorites because it's simple. But I found another one recently called Oswald. Mm-hmm. And I've been using that one a lot in my recent mag. I like mm-hmm. that one, too. See? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm about. mad I know the names of them, but I use them so often that it's like, I can tell you like what some of them are. And that's why I asked. Because I figured like, yeah. you, you're doing it like day in and day out. I know you, you got to have a font that sticks out in your mind. You're like, oh, this is fly. Yeah. Playfair Display is my favorite one. It's so basic, though. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. But I really like simplicity. Mm-hmm. Like, you'll notice that about my magazines. There's nothing, like, too crazy. Like, not a lot of colors and stuff like that. Because right. I like everything to be real, like, basic and simple. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get into more colors, though. 
Speaking of colors, yo, I low-key played myself, yo. I came here, I got my hair dyed a couple, a couple days ago. I'm mm-hmm. like, yo, I'm gonna come here, I'm gonna sit with that blue hair, cuz. <gasps> I didn't even wear, I wore it last night. Yo, I saw that picture, I was like, yo, man. I wore it last night, I was like, this is too, it was too many colors for me at that point. Yo, I'm like, listen, if y'all don't understand, yo. <sighs> You'll catch me around with it on. That's like the, that's the only hair I wear if I'm going somewhere. It depends on where I'm going. Listen, that's, that's, that's fly right there. I was like, oh, Thank shit. you. My best friend actually makes my wigs. See? At the hair Picasso. It's dots in between each of her. The dot Bring hair her dot Picasso. Yep. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I do all her promo. That's how, that's, that's how it should work. You know what I mean? You like each one teach one. You, you, yeah. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's nice. Damn, she got, she got skill, yo. Yes. You know what I mean? I'm not a, I'm not a wig kind of sore. You know what I mean? But I have some, seen some like some, some terrible joints out here in these streets. So she made a few. It feels nice, man. Thank you. She you know Yeah, I mean? she do nice work. You know what I'm saying? See how we doing it out here, man? Cover all bases, yo. Talk about magazines, media, and wigs, yo. <laughs> You know what I mean? The wigs is the on whole point. Nine. The whole nine. Yes. So, we have your magazine being up on the Barnes Noble's website. Mm-hmm. We have you out here being the plug. Yes. You have Plug Magazine, and you have all these different people that you're reaching out to. What is the goal for your magazine um, within the next few years? For the next few years? Mm-hmm. I think I want my mag to be like, like everywhere, mm-hmm. like how I'm just getting a Barnes and Noble, I want it to be like that. Like I'm trying to get on the Apple Publisher or Apple News, whatever you call it. Oh, I yes. think it's Apple News. Mm-hmm. That's difficult because if I get on Apple News, then like people can access it straight off their phones from anywhere. You know what I mean? Like right. that's a part of what I mean, like getting it everywhere. Mm-hmm. But that is difficult though. Like getting it everywhere is kind of hard. You got to go through a lot to get physical mags in Barnes and Noble is a lot. And you know it's not a lot of bookstores. Like Barnes and Noble is like one of the big bookstores we have in like probably the U.S. Because right. Borders is gone. So what other bookstores do you piece. have? R.I.P. to Borders because I used to love Borders. Right. What other bookstores you got? I'm gonna ask you a question. Are you aware of the international press in the city? The international press. Mm-hmm. No. So check this out. There's a magazine shop in the city of Philly. Mm-hmm. And they make, not that they don't make, sorry, they carry magazines from all over the world. From all over the world. Mm-hmm. From all over the world. Um, they have a section that carries, like, any magazine, pretty much any magazine from different, like, genres of stuff, whether it be sports, whether it be, like, fashion, whether it be music, cultural stuff, mm-hmm. whatever it is, they carry it. And their magazine selection, I mean, Though Barnes Nobles on 18th Street may have like an ass load of magazines in there, the diversity of magazines that this place has is dope. Wow, really? Yeah. I need to get my magazine in here. So this magazine, this place is called Avril 50. Avril 50 is on UPenn campus. And it's like one of the bombest places that I go to for, for, for magazines. Avril 50? Yep, A-V-R, A-V-I, I'm sorry, I can't spell correctly, A-V-R-I-L 50. It's on UPenn campus. And they sell, like, international magazines? All types How of How do shit. I get my magazine in there, though? I don't know, I would, I would talk to him, see if, he, see if he carries independent magazines from uh, local joints, but, like, he carries magazines from all over the, the place. I think um, it's independent I'm not sure how you would go about doing it from on local level, but if you go in there, just you'll see how everything's formatted there. 
Right. How it looks in there. And you're like, okay, now nah, I understand it. He sells coffee in there, tea. Oh, okay. Like newspapers from all across the world, you know what I mean? Um, different magazines. There's a, there's a dope magazine that's like in the form of a newspaper. Yeah. It's called The Last Magazine. Mm-hmm. And how it is, like it's folded up like a newspaper. But you open it up, it's what? like a giant size magazine. Yeah, so if you go there, you'll see different Is formats it gray like, like that? Yeah. It's not colored. I mean, some parts, some pages are color, but like, is it how it feels? It feels like a newspaper. It feels like a newspaper. It feels like a, sun, like a Sunday paper more it's than so anything cool. else. Yeah. So what I would do, um, you know, to anybody out there, you know, who was like just trying to see what other forms of media look like from other places beyond just here, that's, I, would, I would definitely say check that out. I got to go there, thanks. Yeah, I think you'll definitely like it. Because uh, I've, I've been going there since uh, damn near forever. I probably want to say 2011, 2012. Oh, yeah, you've been going there for a while. Yes, yeah, so I got, like, dumb magazines from there. Like, I think I have an issue of a last magazine. I like that. I got to go. Yeah, I think you'll like it. I like interior design magazines. I want to get into oh. interior design. I'd be buying interior too. design magazines now. They got that there, too. So, so speaking of which, right, there's a magazine that's out um, that I love called Apart- Apartmento. Apartmento. Apartmento, it interviews all kinds of people, right, in their apartments. For real? Yeah, like, it takes pictures of their apartment. Yeah. And, like, say if, say if you're an artist of some sort, or you're a DJ, talk to you about what you DJ, how you DJ, and, no, not how you do it, like, why you do it, what you do, what you're up to, what inspires you. Again, it gets into the, the, it gets into the book about who you are, but it also focuses on, like, where you live. Yeah. And how you live. So yeah, if you go there, there's definitely like magazines about interior design. I looked like that, that up apartments. Yeah, yo. I think one of the people who, because I, I love writing as well, and if I can write on my personal blog, I do it. And one of the guys was like was Anthony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. That was my dude. He was a chef. He committed suicide, I think, last year. Wow. But his writing was just ridiculous, and he wrote for like the New York Times. That's how that's how he got on. He got on, he was a cook, line chef and all that, but he got on in like his mid forties mm-hmm. after writing um for uh an article to a newspaper. And from that point on he became what he became. So I look at you, I see what you're doing and your writing, what you're writing about, the fo- the issues that you're focusing on, and it's like, yo, that's dope. Because, you know, that when he did that. That was like years before, like you were doing this internet thing, and anybody could do anything and get themselves out there. Mm-hmm. You had the platform, you got the, you got the drive, you got the ambition, you got all that you need in front of you, and you're making it happen. And I commend you for that. I respect you for that, and I love it. Thank you. Because I wish there was more of that going around. Yeah. But things happen as they happen. You're doing it. And hopefully, done. Hopefully, people can see what you're doing, and they can pick up what needs to be done, and keep keep on pushing this idea of like community within media. Yeah. So you got it going, yo, and I, I really, I truly respect it. So I know the interview is drawing to a close, but is there any uh, few things you want to say on, only about your magazine, about you, like just give the audience, you know, a few words that, that, that you're feeling right now. You got it. Go off. What am I feeling right now? Wow, that's pow, deep. Pow. 
What, what what's today's date? <laughs> Today's the twenty. It's May twenty sixth. Yes. Wow, it's almost June. My magazine's supposed to drop next month. How you feel about that? I'm nervous. I always get real nervous around this time, though. I get nervous as if I never did this before. Like it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I go through a million panic attacks before the magazine actually drops. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy. It feels crazy every time. And you would think I would be adjusted to like, this is my fifth one. You would think I would be used to it. Mm-hmm. I never really get used to it. It's just the outcome that I want everybody to love. So it's always like right now, mm-hmm. it's like grind time. So I'm like, I'm nervous. <laughs> but I feel real nervous about it. I feel that's how it. I think anybody will develop like a bit of a bit of anxiety. Yeah. Because so a friend of mine broke it down to me. He was like, you know, like the difference between depression and anxiety. Depression is like dealing with things of the past, and anxiety is worrying about things of the future. Yes. But I feel like if you just take everything a day at a time mm-hmm. and you just keep building, keep pushing, everything is going to be what it's going to be. Right. You know, no matter what you do, what you try to like to stop. Life happens as it happens. Oh, my gosh. But you say this. But the thing is, the week of the release, Mm -hmm. that whole week, this happens faithfully. I cannot sleep. I wake up at the crack of dawn that entire week every day because I can't sleep. I be tossing and turning every night. Mm -hmm. So I can never get rid of that anxiety no matter what every single time I release. Well, here's the thing I will say about that kind of anxiety. The anxiety you have is like pure, pure excitement. Yeah, coming up, it's not like it's like debil- debilitating anxiety. Where you're like, oh my god, oh what's going on? What happens? Going to happen to me? It's like, but it's, you, but you have it's going to be productive, you're right? Because you're, you're, you're excited. It's going to be a good time for you. So you're going to be you're going to be good. You're going to be dope. You're going to have a successful magazine um, launch. And it's going to be fire. Somebody gave me the idea to um, do a sign in at Barnes and Noble. So now I'm trying to figure out how I could do it. Do it. Like pre-orders. Mm-hmm. Make people bring their mags in. I sign them. That'd be ill. Maybe I do it like a park or something, because Barnes and Noble might try to charge me for it. Yeah. They're gonna try to charge me for that. Yeah, I think that'd be dope. I think if you have anywhere like a magazine signing of a magazine release party, whatever you're doing, I think that'd be that'd be smooth. I did it one time and it was fun. For like my second one, I think. Mm-hmm. I had a magazine release party in my old apartment. It was fun. So I might have Ill. to do it again. Maybe you should. But everybody out there, this has been episode. 57. And I'm here with my guests. Sean the Pluck. That's right. Where can they find you? On Twitter, on Instagram. I hate that I got four accounts, so I got to say all of them, I guess. All right, so I'm going to say my plug ones first. Okay. Twitter's is just Plug Magazine. Instagram is shortened, so it's Plug Mag. Um, and then my personal account, Sean the Plug. So C H A N T H E P L U G. At Twitter and Instagram. Boom. That's how we're doing it. Hope you all have a great week. By the time you hear this, tomorrow will be Memorial Day. So I'm doing nothing. Make sure you go to some cookouts. Yeah. Somebody better invite me to a cookout, man. Right? I've been slacking for the past couple years, yo. (laughs) Stop playing. I I bring some juice if need be. All right? Damn. But yeah, it's been episode 57. We are over and out. Thank you.
You win!